Hello, and welcome to episode 12, All About The Ring Goes South, chapter 3, book 2 of Fellowship of the Ring, being the 12th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. And today I am joined once again by Christina Kahn of Brandy Lane Publishers. Welcome, Christina. Thank you. It is an absolute pleasure to be back. I'm honored. Yes. Christina is our listeners. If you haven't been keeping up with the Kardashians, um, <laughs> if you haven't been keeping up with the Tooks, I don't know. Christina oh, no, was a guest on, I think, episode two. Yeah. Ch- I think, yeah, you were on for chapter two because I remember that. Like, that's an, whoa, what is it about the chapter twos of this book? Because they are both very hefty and important chapters. I know. Yeah. But luckily, this one isn't quite as much exposition. And actually, the funny thing is when you first told me that I was going to be doing chapter two, book two. Well, this is, wait, this is chapter three, book two. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I was well, like, we, did we, you read? <laughs> I was like, I mean, we can do the Council of Elrond chapter again. No, no. Want. I just wish. I, no, no. But, um, but anyway, when you told me I was doing book two, chapter three, I turned to it and I was like, wow, Mary Clay has really been reading fast. I know. And then I, are we already here? And then I realized that I was, I had the two towers in my hands and I was like, oh, Tolkien and his books. (laughs) And I forgot that book two is in part one, the fellowship of the ring. So I found my way there eventually. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I have a question from the internet. And today's question comes from Casey Winters, who will actually, hopefully, if everything goes as planned, uh, will be the guest for next week's episode. So look forward to that, listeners. And he asks, what would Gandalf see in the mirror of Erised? Uh, A crossover question. (laughs) I know. I love them. It's funny because I highlighted some like more definitely more than a couple selections from this chapter of Gandalf being just like really sassy and self-absorbed oh my gosh yes (laughs) so I feel like he would just see himself I mean yeah I think I think okay to be perfectly honest my answer to that question is a spoiler oh okay book one book one Gandalf would be a different kind of wizard I'm gonna put it that way I think it's very similar to how Dumbledore answers that question where in the first book he's like oh one can never have enough socks dear Harry. I I feel like Gandalf would just be like all the pipe weed Yeah I was gonna say pipe weed. Yeah (laughs) pipes and pipe weed like very like handmade like ancient pipes and then like pipe weed that's been I don't know can you age pipe weed like fine wine if that's possible I I feel like he would do that yeah but I feel like it would be similar to Dumbledore how he says he sees socks but like by the time you get to book seven, you're like, oh, he was probably seeing Ariana and like Aberforth yeah, and his dad and totally. mom all together. Oh no! Or as we actually see, I think in the second Fantastic Beast movie, he sees Grindelwald, which is I don't know. Have you seen the Fantastic Beast movies? I have. Come on, you know me. Okay, I'm I didn't know. Well, um, I was just asking because Crimes of Grindelwald is an actual crime so i didn't know if thank you, just... you so much because i truly feel that way <laughs> it's a crime against humanity <laughs> crimes of grindelwald it's a cr- it's more a like crime crimes against humanity <laughs> it's just really um if i was teaching a class on writing screenplays and i was like trying to show what not to do just show i would i would show them the crimes of grindelwald <laughs> oh my gosh just so Bad. Just sorry by the way if you hear a little ASMR of me pouring myself a glass of red wine. <laughs> but I think Bilbo would appreciate me um drinking some red wine. Drink- yeah, I was gonna him, say so. I feel like it's ve- that's very appropriate for this book. So yes. <laughs> jumping into this chapter, yes, as you brought up, my like main takeaway from this chapter is Gandalf is either Ugh. so done with these people. Or he's just like, I have no filter at this point, because he is so it's like, sassy. Gandalf, I love it. You, you just got here. Like, you, we've got a long way to go. You need to reel it back. Like, the chapter starts right off with Bill. And I know this is your part, but where you say how the chapter starts. But Bilbo's <laughs> no, like. do it, please. Now I Bilbo's can take like, a sip of water. Yes. Bilbo's like, that meeting, the Council of Elrond, and he's like, I hate meetings. Everyone had an eye opener, even old Gandalf. And Gandalf says, you were wrong. Yeah. You were, 
You were inattentive. I already heard about this. He said, I was the only one who was not surprised. (laughs) Oh, Gandalf, shut up. (laughs) So, um, actually, even before that, well, so first of all, so the chapter opens with the hobbits meeting together because... Mary and Pippin were not in the meeting. And basically the Hobbs are like, all in this together. <laughs> yeah, like, it says Mary and Pippin were indignant. And that just about sums it up. Yeah. And they're like, literally, how could you? <laughs> yeah. And they're, yeah, and they're mad at Sam because he wasn't even supposed to be there. Um, I know, but you got to just be like a go-getter, you know? Sam knows what's up. Yeah. And so they're like, we're going to go with you no matter what. And... Gandalf comes in right away with a sick burn. So Pippin says, <laughs> there must be someone with intelligence in the party. Then you certainly will not be chosen, Peregrine Took, said Gandalf. Man, what a burn. I know. That yeah, Gandalf burn like, really hurts. I love sassy Gandalf. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah, but like, it's like, yeah, you need someone smart. Oh, so who, who's going to go? Because it's not going to be you, Pippin. <laughs> and it's lines like this where, like, I just feel like Gandalf in the movie was was so perfectly well cast. Because you need, like, a sassy, older British man, you know? You need, like, yeah. the right kind of guy to deliver lines like this. Yeah, and I appreciate, whereas Dumbledore is much kinder and just, like, whimsical, I appreciate a lot that Gandalf is sassy and and witty i think he's like the more pragmatic version of dumbledore he's like we have real like dumbledore obviously has a mission but he's also like the headmaster of like a school full of minors yeah and he he's like he he's got a lot to deal with ability yeah dumbledore has the ability to put on these like kid gloves yeah but gandalf is like you need to grow up right now because we are literally walking to mordor you need to handle this y'all in your shenanigans you need to get it together yeah it's like almost the opposite whereas like dumbledore hid the truth from harry for so long because he wanted to protect him and like in chapter two gandalf is like hey you have this evil ring and now you have to take it to which is the last chapter i did with you and it was a whole lot of doom and gloom he's just like well you're screwed sorry Frodo have fun I'll have to post I've been really on my meme game lately and this is like the one skill that I will brag about put that at the top of your resume (laughs) top of your resume meme memes (laughs) and uh I made the meme of it's Gru and he's looking at the chart like the piece of paper like laying out his plan and it says like Tell Frodo the ring is evil. Tell him he has to destroy it. Give him no further instructions. And then he turns around and looks at it like, give him no further instructions. <laughs> and that just about sums it up. He's yeah. like, you're going to have to do it. This is your burden to bear because uh, I chose you. Let me see. I just want to make sure that I'm getting all of the all of the sassiness. Yeah, Bilbo's like, yeah, like what a meeting. Everyone learned something new. And Gandalf's like, not me. I learned everything. <laughs> Everything. It's fine. I learned everything. He's like, it was you. It's like her- Hermione. Like, yes. We don't, like, we get it. You're smart. Okay. But, like, we're all in this together. Can you kindly shut up? Yeah. Um, and then Bilbo says, well, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Bilbo just, like, walks right past that. And he's like, so moving on. And, oh, and he blames. He's like, I'm experienced with Gandalf. He's just like this. <laughs> and he blames Frodo for why they're in this, like, problem right now. And he says, it's your fault, partly, Frodo, my lad, insisting on waiting for my birthday. Um, Bilbo, it's also Frodo's birthday. Like, how presumptuous of you to be like, oh, you were waiting for my birthday. He was waiting for his <laughs> birthday, too, Bilbo Baggins. You know, honestly, I need to, like, put that evidence in my book of why Bilbo Baggins is definitely a Slytherin. Yes. So. Just, like, lo- like incepting that blame into Frodo. I think I'm, like, maybe, a- I don't know. Never mind. I'm just confusing myself. No, you got it right. I'm confusing myself about what I have and had it said on this podcast before. Because I, oh. I-, I think I've said that, like, all hobbits are Hufflepuffs and then there's Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, and also, I think, okay, so, okay, I, I highlighted something else in this paragraph. What, I just thought it was really funny that he's like, not the day I would have chosen for letting the SBs into bag end, and I'm just like, that is so close to SOB. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. those SBs. <laughs> they are. I just thought that was funny. 
Sons of Birkenstocks. I feel like people, I feel like the Saxville Beckinses are like legendary for being like the (gasps) shistiest hobbits of of all time. Going back to my keeping up with the Tooks, keeping up with the Saxville Bagginses, that I watch. (laughs) Saxville Baggins, (laughs) can I take my spoons? Yeah. Um, so in this chapter, Bill, but have you seen, it's this video, you might not have seen it because maybe we follow different people on Twitter, but it's this video circulating of this girl, like the caption is like, what it's like when people start singing in a musical. And it's this girl doing all of these like setups for a song and then she'll pause. (laughs) And there's, so there's one that's like, you're never going to be cool. Because you're a lesbian. And just all these absurd setups where there's this long pause waiting for the music tracking to come in. And that's what I feel like Bilbo is doing a lot of in this chapter. Well, he'll be in the middle of talking and then he'll just like sing or recite a poem or a song or whatever and then just continue on like nothing happened. I felt like when Bilbo does this first song about how crappy winter is, which like we all know. The winter's cold and not good. I rolled my eyes really hard, and I was like, I feel like Mary and Pippin are rolling their eyes really hard right now, too. Yeah, and uh, I wrote down, yeah, Bilbo sings this little little song about how bad winter, yeah, sings this little, and is like, winter sucks, it's evil, but... You know, that sounds like a you problem, Frodo, so have fun with that. But I'm afraid, but that I am afraid will just be your luck. Yeah. <laughs> Will be just your luck. And I'm like, that is what people have been saying to Frodo this whole time. Like, dude, what a bad situation you're in. But that's just the luck you've had. And it's like, Bilbo, you did this. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> it truly is just was just like a game of hot potato. And he. Yeah. Like, he's and like, like eh, it's not, I don't know, not my problem. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything in The Hobbit for you. Well, maybe like five percent of something in the hot before you, but like <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> it 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 really is Bilbo's fault. He doesn't come into yeah. the ring the same way yeah, that Frodo we, comes to the ring. Yeah, we fu- yeah we know that. I think it was in the maybe it was in the prologue or the introduction or something for this book, and then also mm-hmm. in the previous chapter we find out that like Bilbo had just been lying the entire time about how he came into the ring, and. Yeah told all these people a, like, beautiful, fanciful tale. And then in reality, he's like, oops, I stole it. It, He, like, found it. He found it on the ground. Like, my boyfriend found a ring on the ground for me and brought it home to me. And I was like, this is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I tried it on. I didn't turn invisible. Well, then it's worthless, obviously. (laughs) Exactly. Like, what's what's even the point? Like, if I ever (laughs) if I ever get proposed to if the ring doesn't turn me invisible, I mean, like, what, like, why even bother? If the ring doesn't uh, convert, if the ring doesn't convert me over to the dark side, I mean, you know, why try? It's called an engagement ring so that you can, because you can turn invisible and avoid engagements. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I have an engagement at seven o'clock tonight. I don't really want to go. So yeah. I'm just going to put on my Doink. engagement ring. Ring, invisible, can't see me now. Um. So, yeah, they talk about their expedition going out So at this point, so I know that like Gandalf and everyone else joins Frodo and Sam on their little field Mm -hmm. trip to Mordor. The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. Like, I know that's going to happen because, yeah, it's called the Fellowship of the Ring. And also, like, I've seen the movie. And so I know that happens and stuff. So I wonder, like, if I hadn't seen the movie, would I actually have believed that they were just going to send these two little hobbits off by themselves to Mordor. Because right. it's Gandalf acts like so dramatic. He's like, I think I shall come along with you. And Frodo is like, oh my gosh, thank you. So relieved. Thank you. We were going to die out there. And Gandalf goes, I said, I think I will come. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> just kind of seems like a waste of time for Tolkien to like build up this like su- su- supposed suspense. Like, ooh, is Gandalf going to come? Is it just going to be Frodo and Sam? Are they going to are they going to survive when like well, two pages you know later we find out that all these other people are coming? So and I'm going to ask you to revisit this rant you're uh-uh. on um, at the beginning of the two towers. Yes. 
so excited because that means that I said something that was extremely wrong <laughs> and I can't wait to come back and learn it. Because last episode I said Gollum can't possibly be dangerous if he doesn't have the ring. And my two guests Ooh. just like laughed at the exact same time. And I was like, okay, so that was a wrong <laughs> prediction. <laughs> they were both like, um. So but, um, um, yeah, so I, I completely agree with you. It appears to be wasted um, build up right now. So Bilbo's talking about writing his book and he's like, oh, this will make such a great adventure. And I wrote down, there are two kinds of people because Bilbo is like, and they all lived happily ever after. And Frodo's like, I mean, I doubt it. We're probably going to die, but write your book. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, because he's like, we might die. And Bilbo's like, but I want a happy ending. So try not to die. Okay. Have fun. (laughs) Have fun. Keep a journal. He says that later in the chapter. Yeah. Um, I highlighted... I highlighted something that we that we've passed over. I okay. highlighted where Bilbo says, um, Frodo says, "How long do you think I shall have here?" And Bilbo says, "You know, before he has to go on his quest." Mm-hmm. And Bilbo says, "Oh, I don't know. I can't count the days in yeah. Rivendell." And to me, that was so like layer of the Lotus Eaters. Like this guy, he just like he's so blissful. He doesn't even he can't even pay attention to how time is passing. Oh, and that, okay. I didn't know, like, I didn't know how to interpret that. So I'm glad I have someone smarter giving me the interpretation there. Well, but I highlight something a little further down. You know, they just, they're like, okay, we're going to go on this quest. Well, let's hang out here for a little while until these um, scouts go out. And then they're talking about their time at Rivendell. And it's like, the future, good or ill, was not forgotten, but ceased to have any power over the present. Health and hope grew strong in them. And they were content with each good day as it came taking pleasure in every meal and in every word and song. And now I'm like, okay, so Den of the Lotus Eaters, but, like, it's a really nice spa where you're just really getting rejuvenated. Yeah, they're just... I think everyone wants to be at Rivendell, basically. Yeah, it sounds like the only, like, I don't know, sa- like safe place there is right now. Even though safe, Gandalf was place. super ominous and is like... The darkness is attempting to penetrate (laughs) these very walls. It's a really safe place, but I I also feel like it could really consume someone who is susceptible to that kind of stuff. And I almost feel like Bilbo is feeling a lot of relief right now that he managed to get rid of the ring that had been consuming him for all these years. And now he's being kind of consumed by this fairy world. Because he... And, um... Yeah, in the previous chapter, he's, it's like officially passed this, this quest or responsibility has been officially passed on from Bilbo to Frodo. And now yeah. Bilbo is like, oh, thank God. Oh my God, that's such a relief. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm gonna and go he's like, get, I'm just going to live here with the elves forever. I'm going to go get a massage by the elves and then I'll go climb a tree sometime <laughs> and it'll be great. I mean, it'll my nephew great. might be dying somewhere, but... At least like, I that's got your that problem. massage. So. <laughs> and I also want to, okay, this this is a little bit of a backtrack, but I remember maybe it was last chapter or two chapters ago. I think it might have been two chapters ago. And you and your guests were talking about um, the, like, enchantment of the elvish dances. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I, it, that's like a, that's like a fantasy trope that, like, elvish food and dance can like hypnotize a mortal and and i think that that is like kind of happening to them here yeah they're like doing all this they're doing the singing and the dancing and the storytelling and the food and i think they're really getting lulled into a false sense of security Mm -hmm. like the future good or ill was not forgotten but ceased to have any power over the present like i think you should be stressing right now i don't know i think it's i think it's a comforting thought to be like yes we know it's kind of well now that i'm saying this out loud because i I was about to make a comparison (laughs) i don't know it's kind of it's kind of even when there's like these dark and foreboding forces outside your life and you know that it's inevitable you can still find those moments of peace but at the same the comparison i was gonna make is in modern times, it's like living every day, knowing that our world is going to catch on fire at some point. No, and that's just, true. <laughs> and that's the bad part. It's just being like, hmm, yeah, I 
Like I made, there was a hashtag trending the other day about, it was like millennial retirement plan. And I said, I'm not going to, I was like, I'm not going to live to the retirement age because our entire world is going to catch on fire before (laughs) I reach the age of 70. So yeah, I have a liberal arts degree and a job in publishing. So retirement's kind of a dirty word. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to get there. Like, honestly, I like, there are so many things that I'm like, I don't think like, I don't think I'm ever in my life going to own a house. House. Ooh, marry an engineer. That's what I did. Well, I'm not married, but <laughs> I, was gonna know, say, that's in I the... don't know if I'm ever gonna get married. <laughs> Boys, that's out there, in my um, that's kidding. in my Please future. Good or ill is my marriage to an engineer. And the other thing is that, like, can I just say how much I hate the question, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm like, honestly, I just hope I'm like still alive. Like, I hope, like, <laughs> I hope, like, I've fed myself properly. I yeah. hope that like these idiots that drive down Monument Avenue don't run into me as I'm trying to cross the street. PSA, if you are ever driving in Richmond, Virginia, the speed limit for a lot of Monument Avenue is 35 miles an hour. Do not go 45. I will (laughs) yell at you from the sidewalk. And those intersections are very confusing. Gosh. Anyway, (laughs) like, I'm like, I just hope, I hope I'm employed and clothed and I have a place to live. And ideally, the sugar, the the cherry on top would be that I have a dog. And, like, that's where I see myself in five years. My five-year plan is, like, one more cat. Because I have two cats, and I could do with one more cat. Although, right now, one of my cats is scratching at the door of my office. They don't like closed doors. They don't know what I'm doing in here. And they're like, why are you speaking so loudly without me? (laughs) I want to be in there. Pay attention to me. (laughs) You can put the cat on the microphone. If you think Gandalf's sassy, you don't want to talk to my cat. (laughs) (laughs) It saddens me that I'm allergic to cats because... Actually, you know what? Maybe it's for the better that I'm allergic to cats, but because I feel like by now I would have at least, like, five. So maybe Um, it's for the best. (laughs) I have two cats, and um, in the the next couple months I'm going to start fostering kittens, and I'm really excited. So I'm going to have, like, ten cats. (laughs) But you only keep the fosters for a couple weeks. Oh, my gosh. My roommate wants us to foster a dog, and I'm like, but can we provide the emotional support that dog needs? Like, can we honestly not to turn this into like a totally different podcast? But like, Please yes, do. you can. That dog needs love. Okay. Uh, my my <laughs> main it. concern is that like they the dog needs like a house with like a fenced in like a big fenced in backyard yeah. so they can like run around and like the best place. I don't think the best place to foster a dog would be in an apartment because we don't we don't have true. a yeah we don't have a yard and I think it would do better like getting associated with everyday life if it ha- if it was in a place with a yard but like. So after you boo up with an engineer and he buys a house, then you can foster the <laughs> then dog. Then I can foster a dog. Okay, great. That's my life Bro. plan. Where do I see myself in five years? Married to an engineer, <laughs> house with a yard, fostering a dog. In all honesty, though, my dream right now for a, a dog is I want to rescue a senior dog. And yes, then, that's like, what I was going to recommend. And then give him like a really nice retirement. Yes, we wear, because you know what? They we wear like matching Hawaiian shirts. We sit on the couch. <laughs> we watch TV together. Sounds great to that's me. That's beautiful. Yeah, and then I that's just, and then I cry story. when he dies and I never get over it. And then I never adopt another dog. No, you adopt another senior dog. I just keep doing this like and, and the cycle never ends of senior senior dog retirements. <laughs> so, um, what is this podcast about? What are we doing? So, <laughs> so at the end of this section, after they finish chatting, Frodo kind of talks about how he always feel it feels it's really nice and safe here, but he always feels like there's this presence. And it says, mm-hmm. "But low in the south, one star shone red. Every night, as the moon waned again, it shone brighter and brighter." Frodo could see it from his window, deep in the heavens, burning like a watchful eye that glared above the trees on the brink of the valley. And oh I wrote God. down, Eye of Sauron? Yes, yes. I mean, you've seen you've seen the movie, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing is that, like, I remember very little about the movie, but, like, I've seen a lot of jokes about the Eye of Sauron. Like, you know what the Eye of Sauron looks like. Yeah, and I also know that, like, in general, Tolkien is not very subtle with his 
descriptions like this. Like, I'm, I'm really starting to pick up on the times when he, like, he takes the time to describe something really in depth. And I'm like, well, obviously, that's, like, some ominous enemy thing yeah and honestly like i think as you like as the story unfolds and you continue to learn more about sauron and the way that he kind of monitors things like the eye of sauron is very like real like not not that there's like a floating eyeball but like he see, can that's see what a I've lot just been things. imagining is that there's just a floating eyeball <laughs> it's like this scary fiery death thing yeah. but like just like, read, like, okay, like, knowing the whole, knowing how this pans out, right? Not to, like, to my own horn, but I know how this pans out. Knowing how it pans <laughs> out and reading a line like this is, like, is so chilling. Yeah, and it, I I also wrote down that uh, Big Brother is watching, because that's what it feels that's like. That's literally how it is, because, and it starts to become this way, like, a little bit later in the book, like. And even later in this chapter, too. Yeah, like, we don't know how much Sauron can really see, but, like, mm-hmm. they also don't know how much Sauron can really see. And God knows Gandalf is not shedding light on it. Well, yeah, that's an <laughs> understatement of the year. Gosh. <laughs> So they, as the days or months or weeks, yeah, it says two months pass. Once again, like having a brilliant track record for like this urgent thing was just declared. We're going to hang out for a couple months before we do that. We need to send out scouts in every direction. Yeah. So they, yeah. So they, and that's what they do. They send out scouts. They find out that Radagast peaced out. He is not at home. He is like, that's your problem. Have fun. I'm just like, I'm just like, if you have these scouts that can like, get into these far reaches undetected to scout stuff like why not just send Frodo with one of them I don't know because it has to be symbolic they have to have the fellowship there have to be nine nine in the fellowship we'll get to that in a second but they they find out that um the black riders survive they track down kind of figured out what happened to eight of the nine and I'm like, well, that one that they didn't account for, that's going to show up later on, I'm sure. And then they also discovered that the black horses died, which they did not deserve. This is something... Do you watch Game of Thrones? I do not. I do not have the attention span. In Game of Thrones and a lot of other (laughs) movies and books, horse lives are not valued the way that they should be. Like, people be like, I'm going to kill your horse to to unhorse you and it's like that is not how we do things well, here. And I was going to say it also must have been a really powerful because I think it was the river yeah. for Tolkien to have killed these horses must have been really powerful because he loves horses as I discussed <laughs> in the previous chapter. Like he loves these ponies and for him to kill them means that it was really powerful magic. Literally I think the most relatable thing in this entire series to a contemporary reader it comes up a little bit later in the chapter, but I don't think that it's that big of a spoiler. Is it Bill right the now. Pony? Bill the Pony. <laughs> that is something that some Gen Z would just be like, yeah, his name's Bill. Like that is like <laughs> such a contemporary joke. Tolkien was ahead of his time. Oh, I love it so much. Like it's, it's beautiful. Bill the Pony, as opposed to Bill the Human. <laughs> like and like, I want to know how. M- t- I feel like today Bi- the name Bill has such a daddish connotation, like a businessy no, such dad. A, such a and dad I want to know. Yeah, like I want to know when Tolkien was writing this. Like, what kind of a name was Bill? Yeah, it's like um. Have you s- seen jokes about like, let's say like you meet someone named Craig, or you meet a woman named Sharon, and it's like, oh my oh, god. Yeah. That person was once a baby. Like there was a baby yeah. named Sharon. There was a baby named Craig. And it's like, I don't know how to talk to you, Craig. Like, do you have a mortgage? You're eight months old. <laughs> oh god, I just almost knocked my microphone off the table. That's fine. Um Are you at a library again today? No, I am not. <laughs> it's a little convoluted because I don't have a desk. <laughs> So, um, what did I write down? I wrote down, not the horses! They did nothing wrong. (laughs) I think we're at Elrond summon the hobbits to him. Yes, so he, yeah, so he calls basically everyone. I I wrote down, I think it's a steaming hunk of BS that Elrond is like, I can help you no longer. And I'm like, I'm sure you could. No! But, seriously, fine. There's just a lot of, like, very powerful, important people in this book, not... 
going along on the field trip as a chaperone just because yeah they decide like, uh, they can't yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like when um Gandalf would not touch the ring he's like oh I'm too important <laughs> to touch the ring and it's like well f- I'm just a little hobbit and now Elrond's like I can't go and it's like dude come on we need you like send an army and I guess I can come up with like a reasoning for this is that maybe Elrond needs to stay behind at Rivendell so that he can be a leader there if, like, the dark forces penetrate Rivendell and they have to do something there. So I guess I can believe that and maybe it's more, it's a better, like, use of their resources to send Legolas as opposed to Elrond to represent the elves, so. Legolas isn't even, he isn't even from Rivendell. He doesn't even go here. (laughs) Which, He's oh, from what? the Mirkwood. Yes. At least two elves would be a lot better. As we learn later in this chapter, elves can come in handy. Yeah. Which, oh, my God. That's wild. So I'll just read this because it's very yeah. official. Elrond says, The council of the ring shall be nine, and the nine walkers shall be set against the nine riders that are evil. With you and your faithful servant, Gandalf will go, for this shall be his great task and may be the end of his labors. Uh, For the rest, they shall represent the other free peoples of the world, elves, dwarves, and men. Legolas shall be for the elves, and Gimli, son of Gloin, for the dwarves. So we basically got... I'll just, I just had a lot of thoughts, so I'll read them out. I have a lot of thoughts, too. The first one is that I feel like if you're trying to be a match for the writers, I feel like you're allowed to have more than nine. Like, I feel like you should bring more than nine if you're, (laughs) if you know you're going to go up against, if you know you're going to go up against nine writers, maybe you should bring more than nine people, especially because the four hobbits really only count as one person. Yeah. Okay. First of all, as I said, send an army. I got a little bit more, I got a little bit more wine pouring ASMR for you. I don't know if you can hear it, but. Yes. I love it. Wish I had one. Um, I just have dumb water. And I, so I also, you know, I've only read this book a couple times and I've seen the movie. I, I, I've seen the movie a lot more than I've read the book. Let's put it that way. And I was just like really struck upon rereading this chapter at how different this is than the movie. Because in the movie, this part happens during the Council of Elrond. I, I don't remember exactly how it happens, but it's like, who wants to go with this guy to Mordor? And Legolas is like, you have my bow. And then my favorite part, everyone's favorite part is Gimli goes, and my axe. And it's like all really no, they're all volunteering really nobly. And in this, in the book, Elrond's like, I have assigned people to accompany you. I was going to say, it's, it's like very, not, yeah, it's very official here. Like he's appointed. Yeah, it's them. not as heartwarming. And you know, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there are two spots left and Mary and Pippin are like, awesome, there's room for us. And yes. here's a piece of Elrond logic for you. He decides that Pippin can go with the gang because it's too dangerous to send him back to the Shire. He's like, yeah, yes. it's a li- he's like, it's you're so young and I think it would be too dangerous to send you back to the Shire. So yeah, you can go on this life threatening journey. That's fine. And then Mary is like, well, I'm going to go too and shut yes. up and I'm doing okay. it. <laughs> and basically, he's like, make me. Yeah. Make me go back to the shark. But I also noted, like, how desperately grateful Frodo is that Aragorn is going to be going yeah. with them. He's like, He's oh, like literally, God. you are the only voice of reason in this. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. Except, like, honestly, they would be dead without him. But I, ho- I also highlighted where Aragorn says, like, I'm going. And he says, and the sword that was broken shall be reforged. I highlighted that because, as some of you may know, I have... A tattoo on my back of the broken sword Narsil before it was reforged. Yes, and which side note. That's I a like, little shout finally, out to my tattoo. I get like I get it now. Cause when you were ta- yes. when you were telling me about it beforehand and like showing me like sketches of it or whatever, I think before you had gotten it, I was like, Yeah, cool knife. <laughs> cool had, sword, bro. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> so at long last, I'm going to send you a picture of my tattoo to post on your Instagram yeah. because it is finally a little it's bit here. relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I know what this is now. Honestly, that's like such a running thread throughout this series is like I know I, what this means now. I'm like, yeah, I know what this is now. Yay. 
I was um, laughing so hard when you you were like, I think that we're gonna meet the one does not simply walk into Mordor meme guy. Yes. And I was like, Mary Clay, I'm so glad you're finally gonna get to meet this guy. Oh uh, yeah. I he brought more, him up so he, many times because I thought I thought he was Aragorn. So I thought that too, like when I was a kid, before I got into the movies, um, and also before I got into the books, because their hair and their facial hair is the same and yes. I didn't know who Sean like Bean both, was at the time. They're both like burly white men with long hair and beards. Like. Yeah, exactly. But I think we all know now that as sexy as Boromir is, Aragorn's sexier. <laughs> I think that's something we can all agree on. And I think that you will by the end of the book, you'll, and maybe the beginning of the next book, you'll realize that Boromir is way more than his meme, although that's a great meme. I'm glad to hear that because in the last chapter, he was just annoying. I was like, this is... He, he definitely is like the most I think, like, pragmatic. He... This is not his, like, this ring situation is not his number one concern. Yeah. But it, but like, he's he, like, but he what, if you, we, what if we wear it? So I want to read this one line from the Sparknote summary because it's so brilliant. I love it. It says, <laughs> Elrond is hesitant to send Mary and Pippin as he is unsure of what they could contribute, which is just uh, so and you know accurate. What? It, Decoys. <laughs> they're de- they're all all hobbits the are hobbits. decoys. Yeah, yeah. Essentially. And they're like, that sounds good to me. I'd be a great decoy. Oh, okay. Here's the thing. Um, why I hmm, maybe I misread this. Maybe I am not interpreting it correctly. But uh, so Aragorn gets his sword repaired by the elves. Hold on. Let's, you know what? Maybe I'm biased because I have a tattoo, but like, this is a beautiful, a beautiful paragraph. Okay. Forged anew by elvish smiths. On its blade was traced a device of seven stars set between the crescent moon and the rayed sun. And about them were written many runes. I just, you know, it's just, it, it, this is a big moment. I just want to say this is a big moment. Okay. I'll, I'll let you sit in your big <laughs> moment for a minute before I trash it. It's not, it's not just because of the tattoo. Like, this no. is a big moment. Aragorn is like, like, I don't want to say he's the protagonist of this story because I've previously stated that Sam is the protagonist of the story. But like, <laughs> Aragorn is like, he's like the backbone of this well, story. Well, I mean, supposedly I mean, Return of the King is about Aragorn, or at least like... That's hearsay. So... <laughs> in my mind at least at this point it's about Aragorn so like if the, it, the it's great any, anyway theory. <laughs> anyway, so here's my thing is I thought the sword had to like, I thought the broken sword had to be fixed in some special ceremony or whatever. If it was just a matter of the elves doing it, why wasn't it done before now? Mm. Like, what, like, I thought the whole, I thought the sword being broken was a symbolic thing, and he had to carry the broken sword with him forever until it was time for him to be restored to the throne, and then once his title as true king is given back to him, the sword shall magically be for- No, it's literally, like, fixed in the matter of one sentence. I hear you. <laughs> and I, and what I say to you is, keep reading, girl. Oh, boy. One of my favorite parts of recording these episodes is when I ask a question or make some like, and, bold and your guest statement, is just like silent. And there's just like dead there's either like dead silence, stuttering, or just like laughter. <laughs> and I'm like and, okay. and for me it's like genuinely like I have to have a moment where I ask myself, is this a spoiler? Because to me it's all kind of yeah. it's it's like all one body, you know, of yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I totally get where you're coming from because, like, for example, Snape Kills Dumbledore was what once a huge uh, spoiler. Oh. Uh, and then now uh, it's just kind of, and same with, like, Harry was a horcrux. Like, these are things uh, that, like, we all just kind of assume everyone knows now. And if you accidentally say it to someone and spoil it, you're just kind of like, well, I mean, it was Harry Potter. Like, what have you been doing for the last, like, 15 the, years? The last episode I was on, you and I were talking about the statute of limitations on spoilers. Yeah, and we were talking about so how Marvel is so secretive with their spoilers. That they don't even tell the actors what's going on. Yeah, it's crazy. So, yeah. But I'm like, I'm like if, it, if it's something sensationalized, like Endgame, I'm going to spoil Endgame for you by now, because you should know. You've had plenty of time, you, you know? It? Are you going to say no, it? I'm not, Listeners, no, I'm not. Listeners, turn it off. It. Turn it off in three, <laughs> two, one. Tony Stark dies. <laughs> no. Captain wields the hammer. 
<laughs> he grows old with Peggy Carter. Oh my God, that's the part that got me. Is he's with Peggy? Uh, so here's the thing. So I, I can't. I can't handle you evoking both Harry Potter I, and Endgame while we're talking about I Aragorn sword together through the entire movie. Until they did the last scene of the camera Stop. swooping in and showing Steve and Peggy dancing. Which, by the Stop. way, side note, I think, I'm pretty sure, in Winter Soldier, okay. when Steve comes home and Nick Fury is sitting in the living room and the music is playing loudly, I'm 90% sure that the music that is playing in that scene is the same song they use for the song that Peggy and Steve dance to at the end of Endgame. And to me, that's so beautiful because it means that this song has held such meaning in Steve that he... Like, Fury wouldn't have just, like, gone through his record collection to pick out something specifically. He probably just picked whatever was on top of the pile and put it on. Or it was already sitting on the record player and he just pressed and he just turned the knob. So that means that Steve has been listening to the song or listens to it frequently or it's his favorite one because he's always imagined that he and Peggy would dance to the song. Or it means that Marvel does cut corners in some places and they only paid for one And they only have one old timey (laughs) song. (laughs) No, I like your theory better. Thank you. So back to this book. (laughs) Yeah, wait, what universe are we in? Oh, Middle Earth. Um, So the sword was reforged anew by Elvis. Yes, the sword was renored anew. God, I can't (laughs) talk. And then it says Aragorn and Gandalf walked together or sat speaking of their roads and the perils they would meet. And I feel like... I feel like they are the only parents on this road oh, trip. Oh, yeah. They're the only ones that really know what's going on. Yeah, and that like uh, comes that pops up again later in the chapter. Mm-hmm. Like they're the they're the grown-ups. Even Boromir is like not really a grown-up. Definitely Legolas and Gimli aren't grown-ups. Yeah, and certainly not the hobbits, but like yeah, Aragorn and Gandalf are definitely yeah, like not. leading their own thing here. And they're the ones that know what's going on, but they just don't want to... I'll put it like this. All of the guests that I have on this podcast are Aragorn and Gandalf, and I am the hobbits. Oh my god, that's beautiful. <laughs> like, I have no idea so what's really innocent, going on. So pure. And And y'all are the ones that actually know what's happening here. So... <laughs> uh, I can only hope to have half the sass of Gandalf in my life. Oh my god, don't we all? So Frodo and Bilbo have a little chat and Bilbo gives Frodo some of his belongings and things that he used before, including armor and a small sword that is named Sting. And I love that so much because it kind of, it implies that like, it's such a, like if it's a small sword for a hobbit, it's got to be a small sword, like a tiny little knife almost. Yeah, it's probably like a dagger. It implies that like, if he were to stab anyone, it would just feel like a sting. <laughs> That's kind of like, I know you don't watch Game of Thrones, but Tiny Arya in Game of Thrones has a sword called Needle, and it's, like, equally adorable. Oh, it's so cute. But I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm also just really happy because the last, epi- the last episode I was on, you were like, is Bilbo dead? Like, I hope Bilbo's not dead. And I'm like, yeah. oh, keep reading. Yeah, I remember. So I'm, I'm I said, glad that you quickly got the payoff. Yeah, I was like, I really hope we see Bilbo again at some point. And I was so I was so pleasantly surprised when he showed up. I was like, ah, oh, yes, Bilbo, my old friend. Yes. Um, and yes. that's what he would say if he saw you. He'd be like, ah, oh, Mary Clay, my old friend, yes. come by the fire. <laughs> Yeah, so he gets, so Bilbo gives, sets Frodo up with some weapons and armor, finally. Like, why did we not give the one who's in the most danger some sort of, like, armor or Before he got bitten or whatever. Yeah, because, yeah, Bilbo says, like, oh, if you had this armor on before you, the sword of the Black Riders might not have even gone through. Like, you might have been fine. So, about time. And then he, once again, sings a song. (laughs) Once again. And once again, I skipped it. Well, it's funny because I, so I kind of, I, I mean, I skim all of the songs and then if it seems like it's important or pertinent to the plot i will 
go back and actually read it. But this one actually yes. seemed it felt really nice. Like it's very Bilbo-y. Like it feel it felt very much like I'll sit here, like I know you're going off for a long time, but I'll sit here and wait and I look forward to the day that I hear a knock on the door and you're back safely. And that's just like a nice little sentiment to leave Frodo with. He couldn't just say something. He had to sing it. it It's like I said, he lives in a musical. And then we get Tolkien's fashion show, which I tweeted (laughs) a gift. So this, he goes into like detailed descriptions of what everyone is wearing. Like, and it, I tweeted the gif of um, fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. Because <laughs> that's what it felt like. <laughs> of just yeah, everyone showing off what they're wearing for the next forever. For, yeah, for, exactly. For the next forever. And it also felt like weirdly like when you have like a very early field trip or something and you and all your friends are super tired, but you're still excited to be together. And you're all just sitting around being like, can we get started? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, at one point, uh, Boromir has a horn and he blows the horn, I guess, to prove that it works or something. And Elrond is <laughs> no, like, he boy, it. that's for emergencies. It's tradition. Tradition. Oh, tradition. Gosh. Oh, my God. Flashbacks. Sixth grade. Fiddler on the roof. Daughter number five. I did, I did mine in 11th grade. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And then as they're leaving, Elrond and Gimli, I feel like could go back and forth forever in these, like, metaphors or something. Yes. Well, okay, I highlighted this whole stupid paragraph that okay. Elrond is like, basically Elrond says Frodo screwed, like, in one, in a very long paragraph. He's like, the ring bearer is setting out on yeah. the quest. On, he's like, you guys can bail if you want to. And, like, I know you think that you might not be afraid, but later you'll probably be afraid and you can bail if you want to, but Frodo's the only one he's who like, can't bail. Yes. Thank you for bringing up this actually important plot point instead of the fashion show. But, <laughs> yeah, Elrond is like, so, as you all remember, Frodo is the one who has to carry this ring and only Frodo, only unless he's dying, can you pick up the ring instead. Yes. Y'all can peace out if you want, but Frodo, you're in it, boy. You're in it to win it. Yes. And then him and Gimli have a very adorable back and forth. Yes. So Elrond says, For you do not yet know the strength of your hearts, and you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. Which is fair. <laughs> yeah. Faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens, said, Skim- or said Gimli. Maybe, said Elrond. But let him not vow to walk in the dark, who has not seen the nightfall. Yet sworn word may strengthen quaking heart, said Gimli. Or break it, said Elrond. Like, this goes on for, like... And and that's, like, the drop. He's like, or break it, and done. Yeah, like... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and then Bilbo says goodbye, and is like, um, it would be nice if you could keep a journal to, to, you know, remember your adventures so I can (laughs) write about it in my best-selling book. Um, <laughs> like I'm a very well off like like I'm a privileged AF like gal I'm going to on vacation right and my mom's like you should keep a journal and I'm like I don't have time for that and Frodo is the opposite of privileged right now he is being thrown into yeah. the lion's den and Bilbo's like keep a journal like, um, hey, if I can't keep a journal Frodo can keep a journal okay hey when you're not getting killed by black writers can you like write down what's happening so that I can write a book about it later okay thanks take take pictures (laughs) yes and then yeah then we meet bill the pony bill the pony sam insists that they take this pony because he has improved a lot since they've been in rivendell he insists that the pony would just follow them if they left without him and yeah he names (laughs) a bill It's I the wrote, best. He's so cute. I put Bill the Pony. I hope he's okay. So I hope <laughs> he doesn't die. Frodo, Gandalf, Sam, eh, whatever. Just don't touch Bill the Pony. <laughs> I I know I've like been over this a billion times and I've had a lot of people give me a lot of explanations, so you don't have to give me one. But I okay. still just don't like this plan that Frodo is the only one who can carry the ring. I still think Tell me- that's just not good, but okay. Tell me tell me Fine. how much you don't like it at the end of the trilogy. Oh jeez. And okay, so here's my question. They are instructed or advised to walk under the cover of night. But we know Mm -hmm. the writers are stronger at night, slash they are kind of weaker or weakened or whatever in the daylight or something. So if 
why would you travel at night if the evil guys are stronger at night? Because I think that other other things that operate better during the day might still be in the service of Sauron, basically. A lot of their caution comes from literally not understanding. When we were talking about the eye in the sky, right, the star in the distance, and, like, they don't know how much Sauron can do. Now that we're leaving Rivendell, that really starts to show that they, no one here, and I think even Gandalf truly understands the, like, how much Sauron can see. Okay. They'd rather, I guess, run into the evil that they know than the evil that they don't know. Sure. Let's go I, with that. Yeah. Answer. And I think that they think that the riders, the, um, I think that they're banking on these ring rays having to regain their strength right now. There's something in this chapter at some point about them, like, going back to their lord without their bodies or whatever. Ugh, creepy. And trying to, like, reform. Yeah, I don't know where that is exactly. Ugh, they got um, a, they got a pull of Voldemort book four. Yeah, a full, vo- a full a Lord Voldemort. Hand of the servant and the blood of the em- enemy. <laughs> yeah. and-, and Sauron's like, literally, I've already done this for you guys. Can you please just keep your bodies this time? <laughs> um. So they, yeah, they begin the long walk. They come up and at one point, Pippin is like, oh, I guess we accidentally turned turned west because the mountains are over there he gandalf saved his roasts for butterbur and is now putting them all on pippin i know (laughs) because so pippin says or gandalf is like no that's we're not where you think we are he says there are many maps in elrond's house but i suppose you never thought to look at them And, like, Pippin, much like me, is like, I literally looked at them, yeah. and I just can't yeah, memorize the them. Goes, what do you want yes. from me? Pippin goes, yes, I did sometimes, but I don't remember them. Gosh. <laughs> Which and I can't, I can't talking. blame Pippin, so, because maps are... No, definitely confusing. not. And then they start talking, there's a paragraph coming up that is, like, so Tolkien, where he's, like, just naming names. He's like, look at all these cool names oh, I can my- invent. I can't see. it. He's like, Kazadum, Dwarrow Elf. Yeah, yeah, Moria and Barz- Barazinbar and Redhorn and Karadras. And it's like only one or two of these makes isn't is relevant to our story at all. Exactly. Yeah, it's Gimli and Gandalf going back and forth for like a page and a half to be like, yeah, oh no, yeah, over there. Like, oh my god, it's literally just like Tolkien showing off names, names, being all like, kinds look of at names. all of these if I was, things, look at all these places I created. So, so you know, I'm an editor, and if this was a book that I was editing, I would highlight this and be like. I would add a comment that was like, I hope these become relevant later or else I'm going to recommend removing them. Yeah, be like, um, (laughs) is this necessary? The way that Tolkien gives these names and places reminds me of another podcast called uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern. There's a- Oh my god, Mary Clay, that is my literal favorite podcast of all time. <gasps> really? Next yeah. to your so next to yours. Reminds me of um it reminds me of Usador's intro. How he's <laughs> like Usador was of the face. <laughs> manipulator of light it. and shadow, master of the twelfth realm, like but That like, is such that that podcast made me want to do improv and <laughs> now I'm doing improv. Like I love that podcast so much. <laughs> Yeah, Usador's name and his introduction just reminds me of how Tolkien will just throw these names out and how he'll say, like, oh, that place is the Black Pit, or as the elves know it, Moria, or as the dwarves know it. And that's exactly like Usador's, like, like, the elves know me as Fiangelic, the dwarves know me as Zonin Poopstangies, Stangies. Poopastank. (laughs) <laughs> the uh you know pixies call me blah 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 like that it feels very yes. tolkien-esque anyway so this book <laughs> lord of the rings and lord of the rings the fellowship yeah, so of the Rings. where were we like yeah so gandalf had just roasted pippin about not understanding maps <laughs> that and could be decide, anywhere in this book yeah and then they decide to like camp for the night and aragorn comes back and is like i have bad feelings about this place when Aragorn comes back and says that, you GTFO. Like, you leave well, immediately. Yes, and I think Gandalf says, we must be more careful. If you bring a ranger with you, it is well to pay attention to him, especially if the ranger is Aragorn. Yeah, and but then they sit there for like another day and a half. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's, so, you know, the, I think, okay, really I read this maybe like, <laughs> I read this for the first time, maybe like five years ago, and I've read it a couple times since then. And it, now as like an almost 30 year old, it's really obvious to me how much 
traveling with hobbits is like traveling with toddlers. Oh, yeah. One of one of my friends texted me and was like, how often do you think Aragorn let the hobbits stop for bathroom breaks? Exactly. Like- <laughs> I think, well, Aragorn's a great guy. So I'm like, maybe every time they needed to go. Yeah. But Gandalf, no. Yeah. But yeah, Aragorn comes back and is like, I don't have a great sense of this place. And he says that he can kind of, it's real, it's like a really creepy, like, description. And he says that he can, like, hear and feel everyone's voices echoing off the ground and, like, he can hear everything. And Sam takes watch that night and mm-hmm. is kind of all alone. And that's when, like, as he's sitting in silence, he understands what Aragorn meant. And it says, the breathing of the sleepers could be plainly heard. The swish of the pony's tail and the occasional movements of his feet became loud noises. Sam could hear his own joints creaking if he stirred. Like, he can hear literally every single movement. It's so creepy. Yeah, as an almost 30-year-old, I really relate to that. Um, I could hear his own joints creaking. Oh, I, (laughs) if I lie down flat onto the floor... My spine cracks at in at least five places, like just from lying down flat on the floor. We're old. Yeah. Like <laughs> it um, reminds yeah. me of, I think it's in season three of Sherlock. There's this one of the BBC Sherlock. There's this one episode where like they just gone out partying and then they wake up hungover. And the way that they like filmed the scene where like they're waking up in the prison cell, like hungover, you should, it shows Martin here. I mean, here's also a Lord of the Rings connection because it shows yes. Martin Freeman. <laughs> like it shows him like opening his eyes and slowly blinking the them and like you can hear like his eyelids crunching and it's really gross and you just get this feeling of like oh gross like that's awful and that's just what this (laughs) feels like um yes and then my nightmare happens and they're sitting there in this flock of birds described as a kind of crow of large size which is something out of my nightmares like my i am crows i don't mess with you uh uh no get out of here so yeah these birds come flying over and they're like the secret watchmen for evil i guess or spies they're bird spies yeah bird spy sounds right <laughs> bird spies yeah it's all cool 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 cool, cool, cool. <laughs> this is the point where they're like yeah let's leave now after the evil mm-hmm. birds have come for us and as they're continuing <laughs> on their journey this is when yeah frodo notices again that gandalf and aragorn are off on their own having their conversation about what to do with the class next and yes. They're talking about the path to take, and there's this some kind of dark and secretive path that sounds dark and secretive that Aragorn, they're both like, well, there is this one way we could go, and Aragorn is like, but we cannot go that way. So I'm sure at some point they'll go that way. Um, (laughs) That's just kind of how things happen in this book, I'm learning. Yes. And then they reach the mountains and there's a big, or I guess they've been in the mountains, but whatever. They've No, they get they get into the mountains proper, yeah. as we would say. Yes, the mountains proper. As I, I've been referring to, in my head, I've been referring to October as spooky season proper. <laughs> that's, that's really cute. Like we're in, like for me, spooky <laughs> season starts like September 1 and runs yes. until like November 30th. But October is spooky season proper so yes i love and that's that when I, i'm waiting I'm until spooky that. season proper to do my rewatch of the haunting of hill house because that's such a great oh my god series. i'm so glad you said that because i was just being like should i rewatch that yeah now you've watch inspired it. me oh, it's so good because i've watched it and i'm like i think it's time to rewatch it yeah that's exactly what i've been feeling like and i feel like it you know halloween that's October a great show. is a good time to rewatch that show so they get into the mountain proper and and this huge snowstorm hits, and Gimli yeah. is like, well, obviously it's this evil spirit, Karadhras. Yeah, that's it. it. Well, yeah, I think that's the name of the mountain. Oh, is it? I th- I'm pretty sure that's the name of the mountain. On the third morning, Karadhras rose before them. Oh, okay. Never mind. Oh, I, I thought the they were but just like, kind the mountain of- has a spirit, you know Oh, okay. I, mean? I was going to say, they were. yeah, the way they refer to it, the mountain is kind of like, oh... The mountain is mad that we're here, so it's storming on us a lot. 
Sam makes a comment that the snow is nice, but I prefer to view it from the inside of a house next to a window with a cup of cocoa. And basically, Sam is just a basic white girl. (laughs) Yeah, and they... Oh, I I highlighted this. Just another sassy Gandalf line. Yeah, they're talking about, like... Sassy Gandalf. What the name of the mountain is or the spirit of the mountain or whatever. And Gandalf goes... It matters little who the enemy is if we cannot beat off its attack. So basically, like, That's shut true. up. I don't care what it's called. It's snowing a lot, so we have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And so they trek on, and the snow is just, like, unbearable. And it gets to a point where, like, the hobbits can't even walk in it. And, he, and like, Gimli's yeah, you having have trouble. To remember, you have to remember that, like, we have this image of the hobbits from the movies as being, like, you know, I'm only four foot tall or whatever. But, like, in the books, the hobbits are supposed to be a great deal short. Yeah, like they're tiny. Like they cannot handle. And so, oh, this is, so I just have to like, this part really confused me. So they're talking about like what to do and how to like melt the snow or make a pathway or something. And Legolas says, if Gandalf would go before us with a bright flame, he might melt a path for you. And then Gandalf says, if elves could fly over mountains, they might fetch the sun to save us, answered Gandalf. And so... (laughs) I was like, okay, Gandalf, like, calm down. Like, Legolas was just, like, suggesting something actually kind of helpful. And you were like, well, (laughs) maybe if elves could fly, they could bring us the sun and we wouldn't have this problem. Just to, okay, just to reiterate, I work at a publishing house. And so books, books are our bread and butter. And I was reading this, like, a final review today at lunch at, at Brandy Lane, and I was, like, reading these things out loud, and this is one that I definitely read out loud, because I was like, what an, what an, like, know. why is that your response? So if I was fighting with my boyfriend and he said that, I would be like, what are you even saying? It's so thin. <laughs> and then, sorry, I'm just laughing, because when I was reading this, I was, I just sat there, and I said, what? What? <laughs> because, God, I should have. Because then it says, (laughs) Legolas watched them for a while with a smile upon his lips, and then he turned to the others. (laughs) The strongest must seek a way, say you. But I say, let a plowman plow, but choose an otter for swimming and for light running over grass and leaf and for over snow, an elf. With that, he sprang (laughs) forth nimbly, and then Frodo noticed, as if for the first time, though he had long known it, that the elf had no boots, but wore only light shoes, as he always did. And his feet made little imprint in the snow. Farewell, he said to Gandalf. I go to find the sun. (laughs) Then swift as a runner over firm sand, he shot away and quickly overtaking the toiling men with a wave of his hand, he passed them. And I (laughs) legit thought that, (laughs) I thought that Legolas flew off into the sun. (laughs) The way that he... Farewell. <laughs> the way that he wrote it. So <laughs> I was like, oh no, Gandalf wasn't actually making fun or being sassy back to Legolas. He was actually instructing him to fly off to the sun because <laughs> I read in all caps, what exactly can elves do? Because I don't. And that's a great question. <laughs> I was like, can elves fly? <laughs> I legitimately thought that Legolas had flown into the sky and was going to bring. <laughs> back like i mean not the literal sun but i was like oh my god Legolas is fly- he's flying i just love this whole exchange because like Legolas is sassy in a way that i think is perfectly exemplified so- by orlando bloom in the movies oh my god <laughs> and i've previously said in- that i think that gandalf is perfectly well cut it's just they're both so sassy but like Legolas is sassy and i think a more low-key way than gandalf oh i love god. this part I, hi- I highlighted it you know the when he just like runs off yeah he's like well i could have been doing this the whole time but it um <laughs> really reminds there's this one line or passage from a midsummer night's dream where oberon is telling puck to like run off and do something i just hit my microphone it's fine i'm a professional <laughs> it's um, fine it's fine Oberon is telling Puck to, like, run off and do something, and Puck goes, I go, I go, look how I go, swifter than the arrow from the Tartar's bow, or something like that. God, I hope that's <laughs> yes. it. But um, 
it's that it just I don't know the like spirit of that line just felt like so alive and Legolas yes. being like all right I'm off to fly around the sun hachi tashi it's like yeah like they're still having fun even though they're in a terrible situation <laughs> so Boromir and Aragorn go along and they kind of make a path and then they come back and they give piggyback rides literally the, the amount hobbits. the amount that the okay I was. I was talking about this at work today to, to Haley, who you really need to have on this podcast because she loves Lord of the Rings as much as I do, okay. about, like, how much the hobbits get carried and how okay they are with being carried. Yeah. As a human adult, I would be like, no, don't carry me. I have legs. But literally, they're like, I'm tired, mommy. Carry me. Carry me. Well, it is so funny. To me, it feels like Boromir and Aragorn giving them like piggyback rides to me sounds like something that I would read in like Lord of the Rings fan fiction that's like trying yes. to be extra cutesy. Like yes. it's not cutesy. This is how it really I happened. Can't, yeah, I can't believe it's act <laughs> it actually happened. But so they get to the end uh, of this mountain and they're out of the storm and the snow uh slowing down and essentially nature one fellowship zero. <laughs> Yeah, yes, exactly. That's a beautifully succinct summary. Hopefully the tables turn at some point. Oh, I think they make a point and a comment at some point in this chapter where they're like, oh, I hope it gets warmer. And someone's like, oh, it will because we're going to a volcano full of like evil fire. So (laughs) don't you worry, it'll warm up. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be really warm when you melt. Yeah, so... Well, that is the end of that chapter. Well, Christina, what um, would you like to plug or share with our audience? I work for Brainlane Publishers. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me personally um, on basically just Instagram. My handle was different on my last episode. Uh, but now I'm at Ya Girl of the World. That's Y-A Girl of the World. And also, I just want to let anyone in the Richmond or Virginia area know that we, uh, Brainly Publishers is hosting the RVA Book Lovers Festival next month on October 19th at Jefferson Park. It's like a, it's, it's a local author event. There's going to be some good food, good crafts, a lot of really cool local books, talks all day long, poster readings, kids activities. Um, and you can find out more at rvabookloversfestival.com. Yes, I'm so bummed out that I like can't be involved this year just because my life is too crazy elsewhere. But like you were really involved last year and we will always remember you fondly for that. Man, oh man, that children's stage. I know, I know. It was raining. It was, it was raining, and the children, <laughs> I mean, like, you go up to a child who's happily playing on a playground and say, like, hey, you want to come listen to a book? <laughs> like, <laughs> even I, who loved books as a child, would be like, no, I'm playing. <laughs> um, but that being said, I do think it's going to be a delight this year, so everyone come out and bring your children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about is a production of Bacon and Eggs. You can learn more about them by going to baconandeggs.media. The cover art is by Graphite, aka Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TolkienAboutPod. You can find me on Twitter at mcwatt416 and Instagram at mcturndownforwatt. And Also, I want to show my thanks and appreciation for those of you who are listening right now in these early episodes in this first book that I'm going through. And if you are interested in receiving a surprise in the mail, please follow the link in the description, in the episode description, and you will see what I have in store. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Yes. All right. Well, all that being said, do you have uh, any final thoughts you'd like to share with the class? It's hard to share final thoughts at this point without sharing spoilers. So I'm just really excited to see where this journey takes you, Mary Clay. And I would love to to come back for a chapter in the two towers because that is an incredible it's an incredible book and that's what i'm talking about